Hey, this is Gus. Uh, today is October 16, 2019, and I'm going to simulcast a talk with my friend John Miser, who is on the other call right now that I'm going to dial into with Maria and Bill and Chris. And so I'm going to dial in and hold on for a second. There's going to be a little bit of silence, and then uh, going to merge everything together. Be right back. We have a very special guest tonight. Hey, hey. Hey, is that you, Gus? That's me. All right. Welcome to the show. Uh, I sent out uh, information, and, uh, and I, if you've read the email, you'll know that Gus is the one who introduced <laughs> us to our guest tonight. So Gus is the guest behind the guest. And... Um, in a couple of minutes, Gus, um, it'd be really nice to have you uh, introduce John a little bit and uh, go through how you, uh, you know, what what was going on and what he's sure, yeah. been working on the last little bit. But uh, and I'll I'll have you introduce him. Uh, our guest is John Miser, M Y S E R, and. Uh, <clears throat> John, you're here too, and we can hear you. Okay, good. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, uh, we had a little bit of a conversation before the show started. But um, is Stephen here tonight with you, Gus? You know. No, I, I haven't talked to Stephen in a few days. I haven't had a chance to get him on. Okay, all right. I was looking forward to that, but but we'll get him on sometime soon if we can. Um, just a couple of announcements here. Um, we're going to change things up a little bit at Free the People. We've had a lot of um, we've had a lot of shows where people are uh, spend a lot of time talking about the issues that they're going through, and we want to continue to be able to do that. But we'll do that after the the um, the topic of the show has been exhausted. So tonight we've got special guest and a special topic and so we want um, if we open it up for questions we want to keep it on the topic that we're discussing and not just bring in you know your various issues we will save that until after we've exhausted the issue um, because a lot of times people will come in and kind of hijack the hijack the show and uh, then new people 
uh, kind of get turned off and, and leave before they really understand what's going on. So we, we want to try to avoid um, losing new people who are coming in. The, this week um, on Saturday night at 6 o'clock at the cookie jar in Fairbanks, we're going to meet. The common lawyers are going to meet. Um, so we're inviting everybody to come to that. Uh, 6 p.m. cookie jar. If uh, you need more information on that, just email me or call me. My email address is rental at Reagan. Did you do that? Oh. Okay, I don't know what, what that is. Okay. Okay, speaking of being hijacked, <clears throat> it's possible that that just happened, but um, somebody's got maybe has control of the board. No, no, or, I'm sorry. I was muted, Maria. That was me. I, uh, okay. I'm, I'm simulcasting on TalkShoe, and I was checking to see if the audio was working. I didn't mean to, uh, to interfere. Oh, okay, no problem. No problem, good. All right, it's happened in the past, and uh, I know it's happened on your shows a couple of times too, and so it's good to know what that is. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no worries, not at all. All right, so yeah, come and um, come to the Commoner Club at, at the Cookie Jar Saturday night. The other thing I want to point people's attention to is that Gus uh, promoted tonight's show on redress for dummies and I sent out that link um, and so you have a link directly into his website that's one of the places where people might want to spend quite a bit of time there's so much material on there um, and so uh, also within that link some of the material that John's going to be referring to tonight uh, has been posted, I guess. Uh, have you posted that, Gus? In the last yeah, I just, I, I, that's why I was late. I was just uh, uploading those documents. To make them easy to find, I put them at the very bottom of the page below the lion. So you'll see okay. uh, attorney of record definitions, pages one through four, and then a separate uh, driver's license application, and then the driver's license instructions. So you can follow along uh, on the recording or as John's talking or whatever. Okay, and then to find that link that you sent out, I sent that out to everybody um, probably 20 minutes ago. So the last email that they've gotten from me is that link. Yeah, and if, um, uh, if, you, if you go to my website, Redress for Dummies, in the left-hand column, if you scroll down a bit, you'll see uh, the archives. So it, it'll be like, this is October 2019, October 16th, 2019. But you'll see October, September, August, July, June, May, you know, all the previous months and the different posts are all listed there all the way back to 2013. So if you look for today's date, the 16th of October, 2019, and, and you go, you look for John Miser. I think, I think that's the only post I did today. I might have done another one. But uh, that's where you'll find those documents at the bottom of the page. It says, uh, Tonight, John Miser on Free the People of Alaska. 
Okay, and before I have you in, John, <clears throat> I just wanted to let people know that this past week I was talking to one of our uh, friends that comes to the common law group, and she mentioned to me, we were talking about specializing, people do, doing different things and wanting to you know, kind of specialize in various things. And she told me one of the special specialties that one of us needs to have is being a prayer warrior. And so we had a conversation. I said, okay, I will join you and I will be a prayer warrior with you. So what that means, and I said, I'll be the contact person. So any um, prayer requests that you guys have, if you're in the sound of my voice, and um, you're sincere, just email me your prayer requests, and this group of prayer warriors will start praying for you. Um, also, if you want to join us, let me know, and we'll, uh, we'll include you in that group. With no further ado, Gus, if you would take it away and, and introduce John a little bit. Absolutely. John's... Uh been a friend of mine for going on five years, and about three years ago, he uh, he called me up and said, hey, I want to run something by, you got a minute? And I said, sure. And a couple hours later, uh, you know, we had covered, well, he had covered a lot of things, and I had probably, uh, you know, put my two cents into every aspect of it, because that's what I do. And we sharpen each other up, we talk a lot. And to you know, we we connect a lot on a lot of different levels on health. John's uh, you know real healthy eater. He knows a lot about health foods, health you know a healthy lifestyle, uh, the gaps uh, the gaps nutrition plans. So he's he's very up to speed on common law health and, and a lot of the same stuff that I'm interested in. And so this particular subject that we're talking about tonight, uh, he started talking to me about three years ago, and I've We've talked often about it over the last three years, and I'm really excited that he's going to talk to you guys about it tonight. I've been wanting him to record this for a long, long time. And we had this conversation a few days ago, and I, I asked him, you know, you know, do you want to do a show? Because it'd be kind of cool to get a recording. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, let me call Maria and see if I can get you on the next call. And here we are. Uh, John's got a background you know, Silicon Valley, he's, he's been around. He's got a lot of knowledge about a lot of different things. Uh, but him and I mostly talk about health and, and common law. So I'm not going to delay any further. John's got some really awesome stuff to talk about. So go ahead, John. Well, thank you, Gus, and uh, thank you, Maria. It's, uh, I'm glad to uh, be here with you all tonight, and uh, thank you for lending me your ears. Um, you know, just a, you know, I've, I've been kind of going at trying to figure out what's going on in, you know, society and legal land for over a decade. And uh, I have um, run down a lot of different paths, you know, trying to find a solution because I found myself in challenging circumstances and family law court stuff and uh, traffic tickets and all that kind of stuff. And I kept thinking, you know, this, this just isn't right, what's going on. And uh, so I, I followed this guru and that guru, you know, you know a, lot of, a lot of good people that said, hey, I got a solution to what it is. And, you know, 
tri-state citizenship or acceptance for value or <clears throat> uh, executor letters or, you know, all this, you know, constitutional, uh, you know, all, you know this, learn the constitution and try all this different stuff. And, you know, it was just like running down rabbit holes and I just kept getting lost and lost and lost and, uh, you know, never, you know, never seeing a remedy, never seeing a solution. And I kept going like, you know, well, after a while, uh, I just said, hey, this stuff isn't working. And uh, I bumped into somebody who um, uh, uh, was was doing something different and said, hey, I'm not going to tell you that I know it, but I'll tell you my path. And, um, you know, you can see see what, you know, see what you learn this way. And, uh, and the essence of the path was, um, you know, just ignore what any other man or woman is saying. And the reason he said that is just let's assume that we're all deceived. And when you're deceived, you just don't know it. You don't know you're deceived because, you know, you can go out there and you can go to work and, you know, wherever, whatever your form of work is, you know, whatever you do, you just don't know it. You've been deceived your entire life. And deception means you just don't know it. You just don't know it. You have no clue that you're deceived. So one of the first things then I said is like, okay, I'm deceived and I don't know it. My mind has been mind controlled, pre-programmed to not see the truth. And I don't even know what the truth is because monkey see, monkey do. You know, uh, my dad was, was pre-programmed with mind control, so he just passed it on to me, his grandfather to him, great-grandfather to the whole nine yards. So the, uh, the, the uh, situation came up. We're like, well, how, how do you get out of this? How, how do you reprogram a brain that's been mind-controlled and you don't even know it? But you've got a good brain. Everybody here in this phone call has a good brain. And so how do you begin to reprogram yourself with a brain that's been malprogrammed? And so that's kind of what I, I began to do in earnest in 2014. And I've been working on it since then. So it's five plus years. And it's been a slow, slow journey. But it's sort of like this. You know, if you're trying to find to differentiate the truth from the fake from the original from the fake like if you were to go through and say oh i think i've got the original mona lisa painting well you wouldn't know it unless you had the you know let you'd need the original mona lisa that was painted to then put up your painting next to it to determine you know if it was fake or not so you have to get the original you have to get the source code and then start to bring up the fake to, to start to differentiate it so Many people were telling me that, you know, you got to try the, you know, this form of law or that form of law. And I started to find out, I thought, well, you know, how do I even know I've got the original or the source law? You know, and what, and who says, who gets to speak jurisdiction or get to speak the law? Jurisdiction coming from the Latin juris, meaning law, and diction, meaning to speak, to speak law. Who gets the authority to speak law? So I'm going to start with something that's, you know, that'll start off as something simple. But I want to start with the simple because when you can begin to see the simple and you get a foundation, you can walk away from tonight's call and go, well, you know, I don't have to believe John. 
I can just see it. That's for sure true. I never thought about it that way before. But <clears throat> I can see it, and now you've got something foundational to begin to build your source of knowledge on. Because the, 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 uh, the challenge for me was how do I separate belief versus knowledge? Mm-hmm. And my, pardon? So my understanding between belief and knowledge is this. Knowledge is something certain. I don't have to credit it upon the testimony of somebody else. You know, Gus said, Gus said this. So then I run around uh, building up my, uh, my knowledge, but I'm always kind of referring back to Gus or Maria or, you know, or me, John. doesn't really matter who, but you're always going through with belief. And so we have so much belief in our head that we just, we don't even know the difference between belief and knowledge. So I'd like to begin tonight's call with, uh, you know, starting to do something with just knowledge. So I have a piece of paper in front of me, a piece of paper uh, and a pen. And if you have one, I mean, that might help you out because pictures were one of the things that I began to draw so I could begin to see this more clearly. So if you do, great. If you don't, you know, okay, we then just we'll try I'll try and create mind pictures for you, a word picture so you can see it. So the the first thing I wanted to go through is can you get something out of nothing? Can you get something out of nothing? So if you have nothing, can you then generate something? And when I'm talking with somebody in a dialogue, when I have this conversation, they'll go, no, you can't get something from nothing. That would be magic. You can't get something from nothing. Okay. So an example of that would be, you know, you need a mom and a dad to create a son or a daughter. Sons or daughters just don't magically pop out and self-exist. They come from something else. They come from a mom and dad. So, and that mom and dad, well, they came from their mom and dad, or we might call them grandparents, and then great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents and go all the way back. So I go through and I say, well, okay, in order to have anything here in the world that I find myself in, there must be a something that started to, to make or create all the rest of these other somethings. So I don't want to get into any arguments with anybody about what we call this, but I just call it the first something. So on my piece of paper, I draw a circle, and I just draw a little line to it, and I call it the first something. So if I have a first something, that first something can generate other somethings. And that first something wasn't generated by something else, because then you'd start to just get, you know, you'd start to get like turtles all the way down. There has to be a first something in order for anything else to exist. So if you look at your piece of paper, if you've got one, you've got a circle going over there, and you, let's just call it the first something. Now, some people say, well, okay, is, are you talking about God? Are you talking about uh, the creator? Are you talking about Big Bang Theory? I don't really care about the name right now. I'm just going to call it the first something. So I could have a conversation with anybody and be able to work with them on something and get them just to agree to this foundational piece of knowledge. You can't get something out of nothing. 
So there has to be a first something, and that first something makes all the other somethings. <clears throat> okay, so then I'll draw a line coming down out of that first something, and I'll just create two little circles, and I'll put an M in one and a D in another, and I'll call that mom and dad. So that first something makes the mom and dad, and that mom and dad, I draw a line beneath that, and I'll you know, call it a son or a daughter. Now on, the left, now on this part here, I kind of go, well, that just kind of makes sense. I can't get a son or a daughter unless I got a mom or a dad because a son just doesn't spontaneously exist. It doesn't just pop out of thin air. It comes out of a mom and a dad. And that mom and a dad had to come from somewhere, so it came from the first something. So on that first something, you know, I can call it the maker. Maker makes everything else. You use the term creator and that creator creates everything else or i could even you know i, I can appease the people who want to say big bang but that big bang had to have always existed it didn't come out of nothing it had to be something in the beginning so now that i have this i go well okay that's just reality because i can look around here in the uh, creation or on earth and i look around and well, there's all this other stuff. I mean, trees. Trees came from something. They came from a seed. And, well, who, who made that seed or who made that tree? And I know that, you know, if I have an apple tree, it produces apples, and apples have apple seeds. And if I plant that apple seed, it'll produce another tree. It doesn't produce an orange. It doesn't produce a banana. It produces kind after its kind. I go, okay, so I see something here. Whatever something is in the creation, it creates something just like it. So now I want to kind of go through and go like, okay, well, what can I extrapolate out of this? So I look at this first something and I go, well, you know, if something makes something else, it would seem to me that that first something that made something else well, it would, have to, it would have to be his. It would have to be its. It, they would have to actually own it. Because it, wouldn't be, it couldn't be somebody else's because they didn't make it. So that first something would have to own whatever it made. Okay. I think I can rationalize that. I think I can go through in my mind and go, yeah, because if somebody else were to say, no, I own that, you go, wait a minute, how do you own that? You didn't make it. So, okay, so now I got a first principle. Whoever, whoever makes it owns it. Okay, so whoever makes it owns it. Well, then if I own it, well, then I probably would be the only one that could make any rules about it. Yes, you can have it. No, you can't. I'll give it to you. Got to give it back. I can sell it. I can break it. I can destroy it. I can do whatever I want with it. And nothing could ever be wrong with what I do with it. Why? Because I made it. I get to make the rules. Nobody else. So whoever makes it owns it. Well, then whoever owns it rules over it. So now I got a really simple thing. Whoever makes it 
owns it, rules over it, and ruling over it would be speak law about it. So now that we have that in place, whoever makes it owns it, rules over it. Well, that sort of seems natural because if I look at a mom and dad and they make junior, well, the neighbors across the street can't tell junior, hey, come over here, mow my lawn, Uh, go to this school, eat this food, don't eat that food because mom and dad would walk over to that neighbor and go, hey, what are you doing talking to my kid? That's our kid. We tell them what to do. Why do we get to tell them what to do? Well, we made them. He's ours and or she's ours, and we get to tell them what to do because that's just right. You didn't make them. I don't tell your kids what to do, so you don't get to tell my kids what to do. Well, if we begin to look at that, you kind of go like, oh, okay, and mom and dad, well, they had a mom and dad, so they're subject to the authority of that mom and dad, and so on going up the tree until you get to that first something. And that first something could be the only one that could rule over anything that we see here in the creation or what's all made because he made it all. And it wouldn't be right for anybody to rule over anything that it made this first something because it's they made it, he made it, owns it, rules over it. So that would seem to me to be a very foundational piece of knowledge to know. And that would be a very good way to begin to establish jurisdiction. Jurisdiction, who gets to speak law? Well, the only one that could speak law would be the one that made it. So then I can pause here for a second. I go, oh, okay, well, then maybe I can see how all man is created equal. One man can't tell another man what to do because that man didn't make you know, this man. Only a mom and dad can tell their son or daughter what to do. So jurisdiction falls in line of whoever made it, owns it, rules over it. So now I get the idea of like, oh, okay, all man is created equal, except a son or daughter is always under the jurisdiction of their parents, and we're all under the jurisdiction of that first something. And that seems really kind of simple. You can go through and try and talk to any lawyers or whatever, and you start to say, hey, can you please explain jurisdiction to me? Can you explain law? And they'll just yammer on about inherent jurisdiction or, you know, something that, you know, you get lost. And now this, to me, seems very simple. Whoever makes it, owns it, rules over it, and that would just be reality. So I can look at this drawing that I have, and I go like, oh, okay, that's reality. That's the reality side, because I can kind of look over there, see, touch, taste, smell, and look out here into what's been made in the world, what's what's existing here in the creation, and everything has a maker. There's nothing, nothing that just spontaneously exists. Everything comes from something else. And when something comes from something else, that son or daughter Well, another thing, they didn't have a choice in who their parents were. They don't get to change who their parents were because they had no say in it. They were just made. So that's easy to say where they come from. You can distinguish, you know, that son or daughter by saying, well, who are your parents? Oh, my parents are, you know, um, Mary and Bill. Mary and Bill are my parents. 
Oh, okay, so there's Mary and Bill's son. Okay, that seems to be the way to follow, how, you know, and only Mary and Bill can tell the son, Junior, what to do. So now with this little nugget of information and habit, now we've got what I call is just like your foundational piece of knowledge on which to begin to start to figure out what's going on in the world. So now that I call this the original, and this is the source, the source piece of knowledge, and now I can go wander over into legal land and take a look at, well, what's going on there? How does legal land work where all of a sudden I get a, you know, uh, an Alaskan judge telling, you know, an Alaskan man or person what to do? How does somebody wearing a robe or a blue uniform or whatever get to tell you what to do? What principle of law is going on? Well, if we begin to look at that over there, we've got, you know, we'll call it United States, or we could call it Canada, or we could call it Germany, or, you know, it doesn't really matter what the name is. But we all imagine a place called America. And America then imagines a place called Alaska or California, Nebraska, what have you. But at the top of this circle, a bunch of people got together and they said, let's go imagine America or United States. Let's just imagine USA. Now, you can't talk to USA. You can't see USA. You can't smell USA. You can't have a conversation with USA. It's just in everybody's imagination. Just like Santa Claus, Tinkerbell, and, you know, the Easter Bunny. It's just something in your imagination. However, in this thing here, we've got 300 million people in USA land all imagining that the United States of America exists. But if you were to roll back the clock, you know, easily, uh, you, know, uh, you know, 500 years, and you were to start to say United States of America to the, uh, you know, to the people that were wandering around this dirt here back then, they'd look at you like you were loco. What are you talking about? I have no idea what you're imagining. You've got some little club that you've imagined. Why don't you just call yourself the Trojans? Hi, we're the Trojans, and uh, these are our rules. We're going to create a constitution. We're going to create something. It's only in our imagination, and we write it down on a piece of paper, and then we're going to say what the rules are for our club. So now on the, you know, on the right side of the paper, I'm just going to write a circle up at the top, and I'm going to call it you know, America, USA. And so what does America make? Well, America makes American men or American corporations. So now I draw a line down from, you know, uh, USA or America, and I write down a little circle there, and I've got an American mom and an American dad, and an American mom and an American dad make an American son. So if I've got an American son, well, then it must mean I have an American dad and I came from America. But you can't see it, you can't taste it, you can't look at it. It's all in our imagination. So it's all fiction, just like Tinkerbell and Bambi and Santa Claus. But boy, is that ever a really strong imagination. We sing pledges of allegiance and sing national anthems and do all this you know, stuff that really instills a strong sense of that something's really there when there's actually nothing there, except there's just men and women 
We've been greatly deceived and programmed ever since we were little itty-bitty kids putting our hands over our heart and learning how to say a pledge of allegiance or singing a national anthem, you know, and start to instill this belief in our head that something was there when it was just imagination. We grew up as little kids believing in Santa Claus at one time, but then as we got older, we realized that was a farce. But here we are running around as adults thinking, you know, we've got to go get constitutional rights and bill of rights and you can't do this, but it's really, it's just all imagination. But if I look at it, if America makes Americans, and if I follow that rule of law from the reality side, whoever makes it owns it, rules over it, well, the fiction America made the fiction American men. So I kind of have a law of reality, but I'm applying it to fictions. So I'm applying a law of fictions to, I'm applying the law of reality to fictions, but it governs it in this way <clears throat> and what's going on in our legal system. <clears throat> Excuse me, I did get a drink of water there. So if I look at that, I go, oh, okay, but I really can't be an American. I really can't be a Minnesotan. I can't be an Alaskan. It's just something in my imagination. I mean, it doesn't you know, really exist. You see the dirt. You see the land. I heard some of you talking about the snowfall and the storms and stuff. I mean, that's real. But, you know, have you ever really seen Alaska? Or is it just the ground where you're at? Is it, or was that ground that you're at really created by that first something? So when I look at this and I go, okay, um, so now I've got on the, on the left side, I've got reality. The first something makes a mom and dad and makes a son. And jurisdiction or rules of law goes whoever makes it, owns it, rules over it. And then on the right side of my paper, I've got USA. And you could put in Germany, Canada, Japan. It really doesn't matter because Japan makes Japanese. Germans makes Germans. Canadians make Canadians. So it's just all imagination. But Canada will rule over Canadians, and Germany will rule over Germans. And that's kind of the way the game plays, but nobody can really be a German or an American, except if you have a piece of paper. So if we were to line up everybody here on the call tonight, I mean, here's a good proof positive, and, and you were to go like, well, which one, which one is from Missouri? Which one's from Alaska? Which one's from Minnesota? And you looked at everybody there, you, nobody could point out you know, who's the, you know, who's who, unless, of course, you had documentation, like a driver's license or a passport. And then you could say, oh, here I am. This is me. I'm the Minnesotan. I'm the Alaskan. But you need a piece of paper to prove that, where in reality, if you wanted to see who was who, and you say, well, whose son Whose son is this? Well, if you were to line up the parents, you might be able to, or you might have a really good chance of going, well, geez, that son looks like that mom and dad, or that daughter looks like that mom and dad. Because whatever something makes, it, they, always, they almost always tend to look like whoever made them. So there is a law of likeness. You look like who made you. An apple tree makes other apples, you know, be it a gala apple or a delicious apple or what have you, or a Granny Smith apple. It looks like, oh, that, that's a Granny Smith apple tree. So we have a, a, um, 
So as I look at this, I go, okay. But now if I want to go through and look between, you know, what's real and what's fake, when I go to, I'm going to transition a little bit here to the court stuff. When you walk into court, when you walk into court, they always say, uh, you know, state of Minnesota versus John Thomas Miser Jr. Please state your appearances for the record. And the prosecutor will go, hi, I'm Jim Smith, and I'm appearing for and on behalf of the state. So we know Jim Smith isn't the state. Why do we know he's not the state? He just told us he's only appearing as the state. So he can't be the state. He's only pretending to be the state. But that's what Jim Smith does, who's going to go animate, personify, bring the state to life. And he's saying, hi, I'm pretending to be the state. And then when we go in there, they go, oh, you know, state your appearance for the record. And they usually just give us a name and they say, are you Mr. Miser? Yeah, Mr. Miser. And I don't really know what the word appear means. So I just say, yeah, that's me. Well, this next part, I just kind of want to show you exactly how that goes down because you're never what you appear to be. So I, I sent out on the call here ahead of time <clears throat> the Minnesota driver's license application. And on the Minnesota driver's license application, you can uh, turn it, you see the front page, and then when you turn over the front page and you look at the back, there's instructions back there. And nobody usually turns over the back page of a driver's license application. They're just in a hurry to get in there and get out because they're tired of waiting at DMV. But I flip it over and it starts to show me three things that are really very interesting. So everybody's taken a vision screening test when they go to get their driver's license, that's for sure. So you take a vision screening test, just a, you know, A-E-I-O-U, so you can, you know, prove that you've got, you know, your eyes are good. But the way that they word it on the back of the driver's license application, they state you must appear in person for a vision screening. Well, that's kind of odd. Why do I have to appear as something if supposedly I am something to then go take a vision screening test? Because <clears throat> our whole life we've been told we're a person. But here, now they're just saying I have to appear in person. Well, why didn't it just say you must take a vision screening test? It doesn't need the word appear in person to do it. But oh, that's kind of interesting. So I went, continued to read on that, and I thought, okay, let's go see. The third, the, the third paragraph down, it states, you must present evidence of identity. Now, I always like to ask people this, what word did they leave out? So I'm not going to have Gus answer it because Gus knows the answer. I've done this with Gus. But if, our, if you guys were to think about this, guys or gals, and it says, you must present evidence of identity. They left out a word on purpose. Your mind has already supplied it. And you don't even know because you're not even sure what it is right now. So if anybody has it and wanted to pipe up and say, hey, I think I know what the word is that they left out. I'll give you, you a are? second here. Yep. Pardon? Is it your? Absolutely, that's it. Hardly anybody gets it right away. That's great. Your identity. 
So you must present evidence of your identity. Exactly. I got it right away. It's not of identity. It's your identity. And anyway, go ahead. Okay. So, but everybody thinks that the driver's license application is evidence of their identity. So right here is proof positive. And, you know, I'd love it if one of you guys were to go through and get a driver's license application from, from your various states and flip it over on the back page and see what it says there. I'd be interested to see if this carries on in other states. I've only been able to look at it here on, on Minnesota. But so when you bring evidence of an identity, most times when it's, you know, you're going for the very first time to do this, you bring a copy of your birth certificate. You bring a copy of a birth certificate and because you think that's evidence of your identity when in fact it's not. It's evidence of an identity, but it's not evidence of your identity. Evidence of your identity means, identity basically means what are you identical to? Where do you come from? Well, you come from your mom and dad. That's your identity. Where do you come from? What do you like? What are you identical to? Well, I got 23 chromosomes of mom. I got 23 chromosomes of dad. That's what I'm identical to. But they asked you to bring evidence of an identity, and that identity is not your own. But you thought it was. But if it's not your identity, well, then I guess that first sentence then begins to make sense because I can appear as it. I can pretend to be it. Because it's not, they're not asking for me to take, well, they're asking me to take the vision screening test, but they're asking me to take the vision screening test pretending to be somebody else. Because they stated it right there. You must appear in person. They didn't say you are a person and you must take a vision screening test. They said you must appear, you must pretend to be a person and then take a vision screening test. So, wow, that's, that's really kind of interesting. So then I go down to the, the, uh, the, the uh, uh, third paragraph from the bottom, and I've highlighted the words highlighted in yellow there. And it states, and it says, provide an alternate address where you are able to receive mail and service of process. I know, well, that's a kind of a funny word, service of process. You know, I wonder, you know, service of process, well, Service of process is obviously, you know, somebody, you know, they have a process server and they come up and they hand you a piece of paper. So they're handing a piece of paper, but they hand a piece of paper to a certain class of people that are in a certain, that have a certain responsibility. So I went through and I went to the state law library and I looked up what an attorney of record is. And an attorney of record, I looked into the book Words and Phrases that's published by Westlaw Publishing. And the, the, uh, it, it's like a, a set, like an Encyclopedia Britannica. There's like, I don't know, 30 or 35 or 40. I forgot how many there are right now. But it's a big multi-volume set. And it defines words and phrases. And those words and phrases are, are definitions. Hello? Our words are definitions of words that judges have defined in court cases across all states, 
court cases and all federal court cases. So they, they, they intend to try and define the words so that then they have a definition so they understand what something is. So under the definition of, uh, it's in book four, in words and phrases, attorney of record, and it's on Gus's link here that I had put together for you guys. And attorney of record is they define the behaviors or actions somebody does in order to be considered an attorney of record. And an attorney of record has many different behaviors that they do, but one of them is they're able to receive service of process. So if I'm an attorney of record, everybody knows that an attorney stands in the place or stead of another. The attorney represents himself as somebody else. He's not that somebody else. He's only pretending to be that somebody else. So just like we had a moment ago when we had the prosecutor go in there to appear for and on behalf of the state of Minnesota, well, Jim Smith, that was the name I think I gave him, Jim Smith would be appearing for and on behalf of the state of Minnesota. Well, he's the attorney of record in that particular court case for the state of Minnesota. He's the one pretending, animating, personifying to be the state of Minnesota. And an attorney of record can file pleadings into a case. They're actively involved in the case. They receive notices on the case. They, they get court orders for the case. They're actively involved in the case. They're doing everything they can to animate the fiction called State of Minnesota. And they're known as the attorney of record. And why are they attorney of their record? Because they're the one appearing, appearing or representing themselves as the state of Minnesota. Well, here I was going over there and they said, state your appearance for the record, John. Well, I didn't know I was pretending to be somebody else. I just thought they were calling me. Hey, John, come here. Are you John Miser? Yeah, I'm John Miser. But what I didn't know <clears throat> is that I was appearing to be somebody else who also happens to be or happens to have the exact same name as me. Well, I didn't even know that. Oh my God, I've been tricked. So I'm appearing as something else that has the exact same name, the exact same birth date, the exact same address. Well, when I fill out this driver's license application, if you look at the front side, they look for a name, they look for a birth date, and they look for an address. They get three traits of mine that are exactly equal to this person called John Miser. I'm appearing as him. It tells me I'm appearing as him. It tells me I must present evidence of an identity, so it's not mine, it's his. So his name is John Miser. His birth date is the same as mine, and he's got the same address as, my, as me. And they're telling me that I have to give him an address where I am so I can receive service of process so that I can participate in case he gets activated for some kind of a court case, so that they know who to go call, so that they, I can come in there and pretend to be a peer in person for this other individual that's got the same name as me. I thought, holy cow, I didn't know that. And so one of the things that helped me find this was... <clears throat> When I began to do this studying of whoever makes it, owns it, rules over it, 
the source document that I decided to use in my journey was the Bible. And the reason I decided to choose the Bible, because everybody said, well, that's the word of God. And I thought, well, okay, I don't know that's true or not, but, you know, if there is a God, if there is something like that, and he's the one that made it all, well, then he'd be the only one that would get to say anything about it all, and it would have to be his word, and if it, if it is, well, that would probably be the gospel truth. And so I'm instructed in that book to, you know, to go test it, to prove it, to see if the word's in there, to see if the, you know, the scripture in there is true. You know, so the very first line in the Bible says, in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. Okay, check. I don't know. That seems right. Whatever, you know, he's the first something. Whoever that first something is, he made it all. Okay, check. So that line seems to check out with me. In uh, Genesis 11, <clears throat> it says, um, God came down from the, you know, God saw men building a tower up to the heavens. And uh, God came down to look at them and saw men building these towers to the heaven. And he said, oh, look, all the people are one. And they give themselves a name. And now nothing will constrain them from what they imagine to do. I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. That's what I just drew on the right side of the page. You know, a bunch of people got together, joined together as one, gave themselves the name, they're calling themselves Americans, it doesn't even exist, but it's in their imagination, and now nothing will constrain them from what they imagine to do. Wow, check, that seems to be reality, what's going on here. And in fact, if you look at all of our money, it's written in Latin, e pluribus unum, which means out of many, we are one. Well, that's just a bunch of malarkey because here we are. We're many people on this phone call right now, but I guarantee you we're not one. We're just many individuals, many men and women on this phone call. doesn't matter. We don't become one because we're all together. <clears throat> but I go, wow, okay, check. That seems to be true. Another check. Okay, this book seems to so far be checking off. Well, then... I wanted to check on this last part that I was just sharing with you about, you know, going to court. And uh, this one kind of rang true for me, which was Luke 11.52. And in Luke 11.52, you've got the lawyers who are trying to trick Jesus. They're trying to, you know, catch him in his words. And Jesus suspects what's going on already with these guys. And He's calling out a specific class. He goes, woe unto you lawyers. Now, he didn't say, woe unto you drug dealers. Woe unto you pimps. Woe unto you teachers, you plumbers, you electricians, you handymen, you what? No, he calls out a certain class of people. Woe unto you lawyers. And then he says, for you take away the key of knowledge. And I kind of thought, wow, I'd like to have a key of knowledge. I wonder what the key of knowledge is that they have that I don't have. Woe unto you lawyers, for you take away the key of knowledge, and yet enter not in yourselves, and them that were entering in, you hindered. That's kind of interesting. What do the lawyers do that they don't enter in? And when I enter in, I'm hindered. So let's go back to that prosecutor. 
we got the prosecutor going, hi, I'm Jim Smith. I'm appearing for and on behalf of the state of Minnesota. So he's creating separation between himself and the state of Minnesota, the fiction that doesn't exist. So he didn't enter in. Huh, check. That's kind of interesting. Check, he didn't enter in. Hi, I'm Jim Smith. I'm appearing or representing myself as the state of Minnesota, but I'm not entering in. I'm just pretending to be the state. So I don't catch the liabilities of the state. I don't get the remuneration of the state. I'm just pretending to be the state animating it. And then we have us on the other side. We go walking into that courtroom and they just go, hey, Gus, hey, Maria, hey, John. And I don't realize that there's two Johns. So I just got hindered and they pulled me in. And now I'm pretending to be something that was created by the fiction called State of Minnesota, and they're treating me as if I'm a Minnesotan. And if Minnesota makes Minnesotans, well, following the law of reality, whatever the fiction makes, the fiction, you know, and it doesn't make anything, but, I mean, let's just go with it. Whatever the fiction makes, the fiction owns, the fiction rules. Oh, okay, I got it. So now... I've just made an appearance as something. I didn't know I was appearing. I thought the word meant show up. But the lawyers don't tell me, they don't finish the sentence, show up as what? What am I to show up as? Because if you're asking me to make an appearance, if I'm Tom Cruise and I'm going to go play Mission Impossible, well, I can go appear as Ethan. Or if I'm going to, you know, Clint Eastwood, I can go appear as Dirty Harry. But I'm not Dirty Harry and I'm not Ethan. But I suppose if I look back at that driver's license application, if I were, you know, going on stage and they said, hey, uh, Dirty Harry, you got to take a vision screening test. Well, I guess I'd have to go up here as Dirty Harry, and now I can take a vision screening test. And I guess if I'm presenting evidence of an identity, it's not Clint saying, hey, here's my mom and dad. Here's the role I'm playing. I'm, I'm playing Dirty Harry. So all of a sudden I go, wow, that part, check, 1152, Luke. It, that dials it in for me. Woe unto you lawyers, for you take away the key of knowledge, key of knowledge being, you know, I have to appear to be something that I'm not. I don't realize that I'm doing it. I don't realize that there's two John Misers, the real John Miser that mom and dad made, and then the fiction, the person that the state of Minnesota made, that I can only appear to be or represent myself as. Yeah, because a lot of times in court they go, are you, represent, are you representing yourself today? Are you going pro se? Well, yes, Your Honor, I'm representing myself as something else. I can't represent myself as myself because I just am myself. But see, the lawyers are really good with words, and that's the way that they trick and deceive us because they know that we really don't think about the word appear, and they don't think, we don't think about the word represent because we all thought all along that our driver's license was evidence of our identity. Well, in the back of the driver's license application, it's proof positive. It's not my identity, but what it is, it does prove that I am the one singularly appearing for and on behalf of this other identity. I'm the attorney of record for the person. I'm not the person, I'm just appearing as them. That's what it says in the first line. So I'm just appearing as him, and um, 
that's kind of, you know, what I've begun to figure out. Now, there's a lot more that I can go on with this, but I know, you know, I, it's probably a good point in time that I can pause and start to address questions because I think I've been talking for close to 20 minutes plus or so, whatever it is. I don't know. I didn't track it. But I've delivered a lot of information in a very short period of time. And, um, you know, yeah, I'm open great. Any... Great. Let's, yeah. let's, let's let people have a chance to, you know, just just share your, their thoughts or ask, ask questions. But um, I'm just going to caution everybody to kind of be brief with your questions. Um, hey, Maria. And, and let's let John talk. Yeah, hi. Hi, before you, uh, before you open it up for questions, John, could you cover one of the things you didn't hit was the sin of origin. And, you know, uh, I don't know if you want to get into that before you take questions or not. Okay, yeah, I can do a real, I'll, I'll add that part there. So um, <clears throat> um, the sin of origin. So again, the lawyers, you know, play with us on the words. And, um, you know, we're, we're told it's the original sin, original sin, meaning the first sin, you know, the first sin that was committed as opposed to the sin of origin. Where do you come from? So if you come from mom and dad, and mom and dad come from the first something, but all of a sudden now you're wandering over into fiction land and claiming that you're the son of a fiction that was created by a fiction that a bunch of people just joined their hands together as one, and you're creating yourself a new maker, if you will, and you really can't because they've stated it all along, you can only appear as it, well, then you've created the sin of origin. And, you know, it's, it, it's not the um, first sin, but it's a very grave sin because it's, you're saying, I come from a different maker. Now, it's impossible to change your maker, but in your mind, you can be tricked and deceived because I've been tricked and deceived. I've carried a Minnesota driver's license. I've carried a United States passport, and I said, that's me. I said, that's me. That's my identity. And I didn't realize that I was only appearing to be that. So it's really kind of easy on you know, the birth certificate that was issued at, you know, they are, our parents when they registered us and, you know, put it into the state civil, you know, system. Uh, and then the state issues a birth certificate. And then that birth certificate is the document that you use to go get a driver's license, a passport, a social security card, a military card, all the rest of the kind of stuff you need that foundational document in order to show up everywhere else. But that's not your identity. There's no biometric data on that birth certificate. There's no fingerprint. There's no DNA evidence. There's no picture on it. It's just a piece of paper. It's just a piece of paper that was issued, issued by the state. So the state created the piece of paper, the state owns the piece of paper, and all you can do is just appear as it, just like they say in the back of the driver's license application. But if you change your maker, you change your lawgiver. And if you change your lawgiver, well then you've got a different, you've got a different God, if you will then, that can rule over you. And that's how we subject ourselves to 
you know, Minnesota, Alaska, United States jurisdiction because we've done it based on who we appear to be. And our real maker is over there going like, whoa, I am really pissed off at what you're doing. You're to keep my law, keep my commandments. And it's funny, if you look in the legal dictionary, the word atorn, A-T-T-O-R-N, which is short for attorney, just add E-Y, but a torn comes from the Latin attorney, and it basically means in its most simplistic sense is to turn. Well, if I were to turn from one father and now turn to the fatherland or motherland and say that I'm from that, I've just done a turn. I've turned from one Lord to a new Lord. And in the legal definition of a torn, it says, um, I'm probably not going to get this exactly right, but you can look it up in a Black's Law Dictionary, a torn or a torment. It's, it's, it's to turn from one Lord to a new Lord upon the alienation of a state, of, of your estate, and you um, start to pay service and homage to the new Lord. And that's what an, to a torn or an atonement is. And one who's done on a, one who atorns or is done in atonement is an attorney. Because that means the state or act of turning. You've done a turn. You've turned away from your original maker. That's your sin of origin. And now you've moved to this new father or Lord, if you will. So that's the last little piece of, uh, you know, I guess that I'll, uh, I think that kind of covers that piece, but there's a lot there. That we there is a lot about. there. You know, so when, when, when you go to court, John, uh, they're asking you to atone your, to, to a different maker, to a different uh, set of rules, a different creator. And one of the things you had mentioned uh, last week when we were talking is, you know, you're now carrying around this new image. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a really big thing that's been going on for at least a couple of years where it's all about correcting your status. You know, you're supposed to be a state national or an American national or, or you know, a state citizen. There's all this stuff about correcting your status. And yet, uh, you know, the, our creator is very clear that he is the one that is the creator. Our origin, our status, is that of a man created in the image of the Almighty. And that's it. He's going to make the rules. He's going to judge. He's going to put the law on your heart. That's Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. And, you know, the, the spirit is going to, you know, the, our, our, the instructor, God's spirit, is going to give us the law. He's going to put it on our hearts. And so... Uh, I don't know if you have anything else to say about that uh, before you take questions, but that's probably the most important part for me. I have a problem with this whole with this whole changing of status thing, and and going from being a you know a, a U.S. citizen, which is one status, to to a you know Minnesota national, which is another status. And all I I think it's all smoke and mirrors. I think it's you know we're being led you know, down just a different rabbit hole to, you know, to waste more time. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's good. And that, um, um, 
what I wanted to try and do, so we, we could go into that more, and maybe that's another call that we do, you know, next week or the week after if the folks want me to go more into that because there is a lot there. But, you know, for hearing this for the first time, you know, just, you know, it's really, you know, I want to get that, you know, you can't get something out of nothing. Uh, whatever, and, and that's, that's, if you can walk away with tonight's call going, okay, you can't get something out of nothing. So there has to be a first something in order to create something else. And that something else, if it makes it, well, it's the only one, it's, it would just be right for it to rule over it. It wouldn't be right for anyone to rule over what somebody else made. So it's got the, the ability to rule over it because it's got the ability to rule over it. It's got the ability to, um, um, <clears throat> uh, it's got the ability to uh, make, make rules for it, make law for it. So whoever is your lawgiver is your maker. And whoever your maker is, is the only one that can actually give you law. So when you talk about correcting your status, the only way we do it here is we go into a, you know, to a, a fictional maker, and we can't really be of the fictional maker, but we can appear as it. We can pretend to be it, and, and that's how the court acquires jurisdiction over us when we make a choice to atone to the jurisdiction of the court to go make an appearance and say, I'm that. When in actuality, we can just say, no, I'm only pretending to be that. So um, I'd like to maybe come back and hear, you know, folks that have heard this for the first time tonight to, you know, hear what kind of questions we have and, and take this all into consideration, what, what we've shared here so far tonight. So I'll open it up. Okay, that's, yes, let's do that. Go ahead and, and um, just speak up if you have questions. So in the Bible, it talks about man and men. God created man, but the wording they used. But then did the Jewish people, Hebrew people, create the word men? I mean, I just understand it as a plural of man. Um, I, I don't put too much, you know, uh, um, what I'm what I'm really trying to do is just really understand, you know, you know, there's, I think it's in Timothy or something. It says, you know, to understand the weightier matters of the law. And so I'm trying to get like this first principle of whoever makes it owns it, rules over it. And so, you know, Genesis 1:26 it says God created man in His image and likeness, and so and He commands man, and He calls it male and female for man, uh, mankind. Um, I think the, the the real concept here is okay. Um, man has a maker. Man didn't just spontaneously exist. Something created man, and that first something would have to own man, and could rule over man, and could set whatever kind of rules it wanted man to do. So, question I could go in court and I go like, um, you know, who's your daddy? This John Miser that you're calling, who's the daddy of this John Miser? Because I'm aware there's uh, three traits that are exactly the same because of the back of the driver's license application, name, birth date, address, but that still doesn't tell who made me. And the, the unique identifier on distinguishing me from anybody else is who made me. 
and who made that fiction? Well, whoever made the fiction is whoever made, you know, whatever state issued the birth certificate and, uh, you know, what mom or dad issued that child. Oh, okay. So what you're saying is that man is at the top or right under God on the top yep. for our government. Yep. Yep. And government to me is who's your God? Govern means to control, have authority to speak. So is 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 uh, is your government God, or is your government the fiction of all of us appearing as one, creating something called uh, America, or Minnesota, or Alaska, or Canada, or Japan? And now Japan, or you know, America is making rule over stuff it didn't make. America didn't make the your, land. your message is genius, bro. Your message is genius. <clears throat> Well, the best part about it here is it's not mine. I got it out of the Bible. I'm just, you know, finding a different way to share it. So it's not mine. Amen. No, the way you explained it, though. Yeah. And I just want to make sure I don't get the glory for this. The glory is his. And uh, it's just trying to find a way to, the way to beat deception. Because, uh, you know, uh, Satan is kind of known as the great deceiver. And all you have to do is just get a little, you know, if you have a glass of water and you put a, you know, and you're really thirsty, well, great, it'll quench your thirst. But if you get a drop of arsenic in there, you're not going to be able to tell or discern that. But it's polluted. And then you start to drink that and you go, oh, my God, I'm sick, I'm sick. Well, it's not until all of a sudden you get a, a mind that can start to discern again and start to pick it up. So the, uh, um, the, the genius of the scripture is it says, like, oh, we have not been taught. You know, it says, be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Well, I had to figure out how the serpent was thinking and what it was doing in its subtility. It's very subtle ways to actually deceive us. So in this way, it's like, oh, okay, I got it. You know, I'm making an appearance as something that I'm not. I'm pretending to be the son of a different, of the fatherland or motherland, and I'm not. But if it comes out of my mouth, it comes out of my mouth and I walk into that judge in that courtroom. I go, hi, yeah, that's me. Well, now I've just, you know, given them jurisdiction to tell me what to do because that's a Minnesota judge or an Alaskan judge. That judge is just animating a fiction in the role of judge. And in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 33:22, it says, you know, God is your king, your judge, and your lawgiver. Well, those are three aspects of the first something. Whatever you make, you own, you rule over. Well, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm the maker of it, I can certainly be the king of it. If I'm the maker of it, I certainly can make the rules. I can legislate for it. And if I'm the maker of it, I own it, I certainly can be the judge of what I want done. So the three aspects of this, of this first something are king, judge, lawgiver. So I can just go change it to go like, who's your lawgiver is your God. Is, is Alaska your lawgiver? If, if Alaska is your lawgiver, well, then that's your God, small g. It's amazing. It's John, I didn't understand John Quaid until I listened to you. You didn't John what? John Quaid. I didn't understand John Quaid until I listened to you. John Quaid didn't have a driver's license. He, he, <laughs> he passed away in like uh, a couple years ago. But it's, uh, yeah. you know... John, you said in Isaiah, God said he is the judge, the lawgiver, and the enforcer. King, legislator, judge. 
So King, ex- executor, if you will, the executor branch, or king, yeah. king, judge, lawgiver, lawgiver, legislator. So, yeah, so the people get together and become one, and, and they assume upon themselves those three branches of government that belong to God. Right. And that's called a trespass. That's a big trespass. You're ruling over stuff you didn't make. And you have no authority to rule over, you know, stuff you didn't make. So we're trying to rule over other men and women we didn't make. CPS, come in there, grab a child, all that kind of stuff. Or you did a criminal act. Or, you know, this is how you do a marriage. Or this is how you do, you know, criminal law. Well, it's already all in there. It's all in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers about what we do and how we're supposed to do it. But, you know, we've been deceived on that one, thinking, well, that's just moral law. That's spiritual law. Mm. Sorry, I think I beg to differ with you on that one. I think that is the law. That is our government. That's how we're supposed to do. We're supposed to apply judges and officers within our gates, and they're supposed to apply the scripture to what goes on. So that's like the example I've given you before. Like if Gus came and, you know, and I stole Gus's lawnmower and, uh, you know, I took his lawnmower, Gus comes back and goes, hey, give it back. And if we can't settle it, well, then we go to a judge. And when we go to the judge, you know, Gus will have his witnesses. And if the judge finds in there in Gus's favor, he then looks into the scripture, which we're all supposed to know. And he goes, well, John, um, You've taken Gus's lawnmower, and the penalty is you got to give him back his lawnmower and give him a second lawnmower. And then all of a sudden we get to it, and I go like, mm, wow, I don't even have Gus's lawnmower anymore. I pawned it. Oh, let's read here in the scripture. If you don't have his original lawnmower, the penalty gets doubled. So now you own four lawnmowers. So the penalty, God doesn't get the lawnmowers. He doesn't need it. Not like how we do in the state where the state gets a fine or state puts you in jail time. Gus gets the benefit, the one whose property you took, and that's just how law works in the kingdom of God. So people go like, hey, where are you? Hmm, I think I'm in the creation, aren't I? I mean, I don't know. Seems to me to start to make sense. Am I in Alaska? Am I in Minnesota? I don't know. 500 years ago, this place wasn't called Minnesota. I think it's more likelihood that I'm in the kingdom the kingdom of the one that made it all. So again, I'm adding more, so I don't really want to do it. I want to leave it open for some questions again from what I have presented because I'd like everybody, to, you know, at the beginning to start to walk away with, you know, that first something, something makes something else. You you can't get something out of nothing because that's foundational. And, you know, when you begin to go read that book again, if you read the Bible again with that piece of knowledge, I'm going to tell you other concepts are going to start to jump out and make sense. Because without that underpinning of that concept, you get lost in it. But that concept is foundational. And then you start to go like, oh, I see what he's saying there. Oh, my God, I, I went through and went to a different lawgiver. I didn't know that my country or my religion was against the law. I'll go ahead. I'll let, let's see if there's any other questions from what I've shared. So go ahead if you have a question. I have a comment. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a question. I don't want to make it real long, but 
you know, where does, you know, where does this go? Because there's been a lot of examples of role playing and, I mean, you could practice all this stuff of what you should and should not say, but doesn't it seem like maybe we just need to get right with God? And then, because it, it does say also that some of us will be delivered up to the synagogues of Satan, and we have to let the Holy Spirit speak through us. But if we're thinking about what we're supposed to be saying, and we don't let the Holy Spirit speak through us, that is the unforgivable sin. That's the only time the unforgivable sin can be made. So, like, you know, I, I can get lost in the role-playing, and I understand I'm, I'm grasping it more and more each time about the, you know, the, the, the fiction. And it, it's just been in me so long that it, it's, uh, it, it peels off. But, you know, I, but where, so what is, you know, where is this going? You know, I guess it's about getting right with God getting my spirit yes. straight, you know, and then I won't have to worry about what I'm saying because it will oh, come right. to me. Right. But yeah. the, well, I, I think, you know, you've got a good brain and it's a matter of starting to reprogram it to go like, oh, my God, I have, um, you know, probably not enough time in this call, but it's like how have I blown it on the first and second commandments out of the Mosaic 10? How did I blow the first one? And how did I, and what is that second one, you know, that's been hidden by the Catholic Church and buried and then they take the tenth and split it into two? What what's so important about that second one that, you know, and how how am I blowing that one? Because if we're breaking the law, there's a penalty. Or otherwise it's not law. So, you know, if I you know, and I'm 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 gonna venture to say that if it's, you know, uh, the first and second commandments are ahead of adultery and ahead of killing and, a, you know, ahead of stealing and coveting. Well, what if I don't even know I'm breaking the first and second commandments? I've been doing that my whole life. I'm carrying on a driver's license. I'm following a different law. I'm trying to, you know, do this other stuff, but I'm not even keeping the law. I didn't even know that I was breaking the law because I'm so deceived so if I'm breaking the law and I don't even know it, that's the first part to go through. It's, and and, and um, I, I can just tell you this, it, it, it takes a before you go like, okay, what am I going to go do tomorrow? I want to go, you know, how do I go file my taxes or my property taxes? Or I got a criminal case tomorrow. You know what? It's, slow down. You don't want to get hurt. I mean, maybe just carry on with whatever you've been doing and, and try and just, you know, slow down that pain or that hurt of whatever it is. Start to get your mind right. Be not, you know, conformed to this world, but transform your mind. Get this mind of Christ in you and, and begin to see it. it. It takes a while. And as Gus had said, when I first started trying to talk to him about this, as I thought I knew it pretty well in 2016, I can tell you this three years later, I go like, holy cow. I thought I understood it back then. I still didn't know it the way that I know it today. And I, I'm still seeing more of it you know, because I'm, I'm just pulling out programming in my head. So I can actually begin to see the reality of the situation. So it's, that's kind of what my journey's really been. I'm just kind of really sharing my journey going like, it's been, uh, you know, this has been the hardest work I've ever done, but it's also been the most rewarding because all of a sudden I'm, I'm starting to see things and, and reprogram my brain. And, and uh, I had a very malprogrammed brain. I didn't know it. 
but I finally just took it as like, okay, well, they, they, you know, it's throughout the scripture. It just says you're deceived, you're fooled, you're asleep, you're not awake, uh, you're confused, stumbling block. All those things are just signs of like, hey, you don't know what you're doing. And then he uses the term, he uses the term return to me return to me i didn't know i did an atonement a turn away from him so how do i turn back how do i even know that i'm supposed to turn back when i didn't even know i I did a turn away i go holy cow i didn't know i turned away because i thought i was going to church i thought i was like oh hey there's a god what's what's going on he's like well who's my lawgiver well minnesota i've been keeping minnesota law i've been keeping united states law who do i fear more I fear the IRS more than I fear God. He says, the beginning of wisdom is to fear me. Huh, that's kind of strange, God, because I really fear the IRS. Or I fear the judge in a criminal court. Or a divorce court. So how do all of a sudden do I really begin to go like fear him and go like, oh, what do I need to do? What do I, and, and yeah, he, tell, he tells us we may get persecuted along the way, but it's like, how do I begin to see what's really going on? And that's why I wanted to start, you know, again, I'm just going back to it again because it's, to me, the big takeaway from tonight's call, if you take this, is you can't get something out of nothing. So there had to be a first something. So now you can have an argument. I mean, now you can handle an atheist really quite easy. I, I can prove there's, you know, I can prove there's a God. I don't know much else about it, but I can definitely prove there's a first something. Because you over there, Mr. Atheist, you didn't just spontaneously exist. Okay, good. Go call it a Big Bang. I don't care what it is. Whatever we get to, there had to be a first something. So I may just put the term God to it. You may put the term Big Bang to it. Great. So I can prove that there had to be a first something, something that always was, Alpha, Omega, the beginning, the end, that always will be, that always has been, that has no beginning and has no end. Because that first something had to make everything else. And that we can see in reality. That's self-evident. We can see by the creation that there's something, you know, he says in, in the scripture somewhere, the, uh, the uh, invisible things are, made, are, are proven by the things that are visible. So I don't know a lot about God, except that I know that I can tell there must be something because of what I see in the creation. So there's a first something. That first something made all the other somethings. And now that, see how simple that is? First something made all the other somethings. How can somebody begin to argue with you on that? But now I've got a very strong cement granite foundation on which to start building some other principles. Well, whoever makes it owns it, rules over it. Oh, whatever it makes, whatever a maker makes, it's going to look like the, the thing that is made looks like the maker. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go buy some, uh, I want to go buy a puppy from this uh, breeder over here. Well, can I see what the parents look like? Because I'd like to know what the puppy's going to look like when it grows up. You know, that principle is in there. Oh, whatever it makes, it looks like it. So who do you look like? Do you look like an American? Or do you look like the creator or your mom and dad? I'll pause again. If there's any comments or questions, because it seems that seems, I don't know if that helped with, with the comment that the woman just shared there, but if that helped a little bit or not, but whatever, I'm open for anything else. I, I think, 
Oh, go ahead, April. Um, I just wanted to, after you are finished, I think Glenn has a few questions. Um, but go no, ahead. I can help with the could. Bible. In Romans gonna... 14, it says, I'll, I'll, I'll the, man that eats, the man that eats meat, it, that he believes it's sin, to him it's sin. To a man that believes eating meat is not a sin, not a sin, but God judges the heart, not the outer appearance. Is that like a contract? I'd have to read the whole thing in context, you know, to see that whole piece of it. I mean, it's kind of hard for me just to pick off that one piece. Is, is, is your name Glenn? I'm, I'd have to look at oh, the whole piece. Oh, he was talking to the Jews eating, eating pork and the Gentiles eating pork. Yeah. Yeah, and what yeah. is your name, caller? What's the caller's Aaron. name? Aaron. Aaron? Aaron. Say it again. Aaron? Jeremy. Say it. Say it. Jeremy, I heard. Jeremy. Okay, thank you. Jeremiah. Got it. Go ahead. So I, I, you know, all, all I understand, Jeremy, I'd have to go through and read the whole piece of that scripture there in Romans that you're referring to. I mean, I, I know that in the, uh, in, in, uh, I believe it's in Leviticus, uh, that he puts, you know, sort of like uh, it's our uh, FDA, CDC, you know, what, what are the food laws? You know, what you're right. going to eat, what you're not going to eat. And, you know, uh, the creator's pretty specific about, you know, if it's got fins and scales, you can eat it in the water. If it's got, if it's got a cloven hoof and it chews the cud, you can eat it. If it doesn't, then, you know, then don't eat it. You know, he doesn't go in there, is it, is it a salmon? Is it a walleye? You know, can you eat a salmon or walleye? Well, he just says fins and, you know, <clears throat> you know scales and fins. Okay, great. Choose the cud. Uh, cloven hoof. Okay, well, a pig, he's got a cloven hoof, but it doesn't chew the cud. Okay, no work. The, the only reason I asked that question is because the word man and men. Men, it was okay for them because of Christ, you know, saved us. And that, that's my belief that Paul was saying is that as a man, believe, believe then that's what God judges you by. The heart, not the outward appearance. If you believe you're sinning or you're going to sin, then that that's what I'm what's just man and men. That 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 was really the question. Yeah. I, I don't think that's Jeremy. I don't I, but it's, it's what really again is let's go back to that first principle. Whoever makes it owns it, rules over it. It doesn't say anything there about belief. It doesn't say well, that Oh, if you believe in I, something that you wait, made can it. I finish? Let me just finish oh, here. Sorry, so sorry. if I am the maker and I've created something in the maid. So the creator is talking to the creation and it's saying, I don't want you to touch this. So the, the, the creation can't go, yeah, but I believe this. Different? No. I, that doesn't follow the, the, uh, the logic of law. Because then in that case, then it's just chaos. Then, then there is no law. Because then it's just belief. On the uh, kind of what we have, we have that now. That's what we live in because our laws have been taken away from us. Can you hold on, April? Sure. I'm sorry. I want to get get to more questions if there are. Um. Uh, and go ahead, Gus. And and. I I as far as belief goes. 
there's the first and second commandment. Okay, you shall have no other gods before me. Whether you believe it or not, that's still a commandment. That's still the law. It's, you know, so there's there's the law is the law, whether you believe it or not. And you know, there, there's there's a big difference between commandments and statutes uh, and tradition. So I'm not going to address any of that, but you know, just give that some thought. I'd rather have John answer. <clears throat> okay, I, I heard it. I'll see if it, you know, um, you know, if, if we were to go back to like where if we took Isaiah that part thirty three twenty two where he says, you know, I am your 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 king, your judge, and your lawgiver. Now we go back to that first commandment. I am the Lord your God that took you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. Okay, now let's just go change out the word God and put lawgiver in there. I am the lawgiver, your Lord, that took you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other lawgivers before me. So I, I would venture to say that the Egyptians were following Egyptian law. But God's right there commanding them, going, look, you know, uh, you're going to go into the house of bondage. So don't follow that law. And then he says in Leviticus 1, I think it's 18.1, <clears throat> uh, you know, I took you out of these, uh, you know, different uh, uh, countries. Uh, you shall not obey their laws. You shall not obey their statutes. You shall not do it. But then really clearly, I made you. I am your God. You are my people. Keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. So he's right there stating really clearly, I am your God. You are my people. Uh, and in the New Testament... It says it all throughout the New Testament. Again, keep the commandments. If you know me, you'll keep my commandments. If you knew my father, you would love him and keep his commandments. And people just think, like, I'm giving you a reason of why you keep the commandments. And why is that? Whoever makes it, owns it, rules over it. And if somebody else attempts to rule over something they didn't make, well, that's just not right. It's unrighteous. It's an iniquity. It's a trespass. So that's why I want to get that first foundational building block down of you can't get something out of nothing because then you can start to go after these people that start to say, well, no, uh, you know, the law has been done away with. You know, uh, I don't think so. That's the way that we get through, that we get lost in the pieces. We think the law has been done away with. So just love your brother. You know. Now, first one, first part of that thing is you are to love the Lord your God. And if you love God, well, then you're going to keep his commandments. That's the first great law. And he said on that, you know, then the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. And he said on those two things, hang all the law. Well, you can go through the whole Ten Commandments and go, yeah, that makes sense. Because if I love Dad, I'm going to keep his commandments. But and it was the Apostle Paul. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm fine. And it was the Apostle Paul who said the law is not effect. Jesus never said that. Right. Hey, John, uh, the lady that was on had asked about practical application of what you're talking about. And I know you had some recent experiences 
with getting some some stuff dis dismissed, some stuff reduced, and and otherwise, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about that or not. The practical application of this information and how to use it. Well, I can, but before I jump into that, and I, and I can go back into that, if people would like, I, and, and definitely thanks, Gus. Um, I just want to make sure. That, I just want to kind of make sure, see if people, you know, on this first part here, because I, um, I don't want to overload folks, because this first part is, I, I'm just trying to stress again how important it is to get that first part. Who, you know, the first something had to be a first something. You know, I feel like I'm repeating myself. I'm repeating myself on purpose because it took me a long time to really start to dial it into my head. And I think when I first started talking to Gus in 2016, when I thought I had it, I, I think I tried to overload him with too much stuff. And I said, look, this is the first concept because now you can go look at everything else and start to take it apart with this foundational stone in your pocket. You can take a, you can begin to take it. And then you, if you have it then as Gus was just asking me to, is to go into the practical application part. You know, I can just go to a judge and go, that John Miser that you're calling, sir, did you make him? Did Minnesota make him? Because if Minnesota didn't make him, then how are you making him do something? Because that would be a trespass. I mean, see, then, then I can actually tell you more specific things I'm, I'm beginning to do with it on there. But it's like, first of all, I want to get a sense of, you know, questions related to what I've shared so far. And, and if you want, I'll, I'll jump a little bit more into that next piece that Gus shared. But is, I'm just looking for people's reactions to what I've shared here tonight and how that resonates or doesn't resonate so I can understand how, how clearly I'm explaining myself and successful it is to get it with folks who are hearing this for the first time. John, I think you're, you're exactly right. Let's, let's, it seems like you're just laying down the like you said, the foundation, and let's take questions and comments regarding what you've said so far and what you've what you've laid down tonight. And then, uh, you know, I think if if you are willing to um, come back another time, come back uh, at your at your discretion uh, when you're ready to share more. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, just if we can have some more questions or comments on what he's shared so far, that would be that would Sean be Sean here in Anchorage. Go ahead, Sean. Sean. Um, yeah, you're the messenger, man. That's for sure. Um, it that was like totally clear and concise and easy to understand and and uh Simple for me to wrap my noggin around, uh, probably because I've been studying the jurisdictions for a long time. But um, no, that just made perfect sense to me. Thank you very much. All right. Hey, John. John, this is uh, Chris. I, I kind of want to say the same thing. You know, your testimony rings as true as as I've ever heard, and Man, you're blessed, brother. And I, I really appreciate you coming on our show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and John, I want to I want to thank you for coming on tonight. But uh, talk more about representing oneself versus uh, presenting oneself 
you know, under duress with a bill for the use of your property during the time that they, you're uh, appearing or present or uh, rep, or you they want you to represent you know how much it's going to cost for me to represent myself they can't afford it well uh, you can't represent yourself it's impossible it's impossible they and they can't pay the bill either so okay so okay presenting under duress threatened coercion with with a bill versus uh you know the other thing if you saw jesus jesus always said i speak i i am representing myself as my father and that's a true statement He's appearing for and on behalf of, and he's doing his Father's will. So when we're good, when we get that understanding, we get the mind of Christ in us in that way, we then begin to go, oh, I need to start to model myself after how Jesus acted and behaved. Because he was, he's over there doing that. So he represented himself as his Father. He kept his father's will. He didn't do his will. So you can't represent yourself as yourself because that doesn't make sense. That's just, you know, that's the crazy stuff that the Lord get us to try and do where they tangle us up with words. And I I have to Yeah, and I would just say that that the word representing is tangled up in a lot of stuff. I think Christ was presenting himself as yeah, the son of his father presenting. Well he knew who he was. Yeah. So he, he was Yeah, he, he was, was he can't he couldn't re represent himself because he couldn't do that. So he just you know, did what he could. But he could, but he could represent himself as God. He could represent himself uh, as God. And okay. Because, but he's not equal to God. He's only appearing as God. He's appearing as him in his image and likeness, just like you are, me, Maria, Gus, Sean, and and others who are on this call. We all were made in his image and likeness. So we're we're like God, but we're not God. We're like God, but we're not God. We've got the face of God. We have his countenance, but we're not God. And I think I can't remember the scripture right now, uh, you know, uh, who thought himself not not a sin to consider himself equal to God. Well, he was like God, but he wasn't God. I'll have to go look up that scripture. I can't say it right now. But um, so anyways, back to, you know, the foundational stuff that I've been presenting or, you know, sharing tonight. Uh, Any other reactions or questions? If you haven't, if you haven't um, had a chance to comment yet, yeah. I would say sorry about, about that. I have a comment. Um, it was one of the things that strikes me about this is that you know they want me to believe that it's okay to to make my uh, I'm I'm it's like I'm dead, and uh, and I'm not dead. I'm very much alive. 
and um, you know, for their own selfish purposes, they've done this. So um, I think a big part that I have is I'm I'm still very offended um, at at this whole this whole thing, and uh, and I uh, until I'm able to get past that enough, I'm going to be stuck. You know, and because I. You know, and I don't want to. I don't. I know it's not right to get off into that discussion right now, but but it's um, it, it. They want. It's almost like they want me to believe they can rob me of my life, and then they own me. Um, and and I don't want to fight with them. You know, that's part of my. Uh, I've got to get. I've got to get to a position where it doesn't matter what they think, and and that's where I get. I'm. You know, that's where I'm. At right now, I'm still thinking about how to rally with them or volley okay. with them, and I, I I need to put it down. And you know, because um, I'm not, you know, one thing that was come to my mind when I was listening to you is that, uh, and Paul said, you know, there is nothing I have that I haven't been given. Because he was telling some boasters, why are you boasting? You know, like, like you know, you you have something that. Is there anything you have you haven't been given? And I have nothing that I that I haven't been given. And I'm not the originator. And so neither are they, you know, but but I'm still fighting it a little bit. I'm just still really offended and uh that's all. But thank you. No. No, okay. So what I would share with that so thanks for the comment cuz this helps me, you know, think and see, you know, cuz I I I've had similar feelings like that too. And where I've come with that now is if I've been the one that created the initial trespass, I'm the one that did it. And what did I do? I did it out of ignorance. I didn't do out of it with full awareness and consent, but I was pretending to be the son of a different father only by appearance. So I did it. I may have been tricked and deceived to do it, but I did it. So it's not a they versus, um, you know, they versus me kind of a deal. I had to look and find my own trespass. And ignorance of the law is no excuse. And I was ignorant of the law. If I can blame anybody, I can blame my dad. My dad was supposed to teach me the law. But how was he going to teach me the law when he was deceived and tricked? So it's a generational thing, and this has been going on for a long time, but the first, the, 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 the journey out of this, I think, from what I've gotten from my reading, is from I have to come to the terms and grips and terms and go, I screwed up. I screwed up on the sin of origin. I was saying I was of a different father. I was appearing to be something else that I'm not. I was representing myself as something that I'm not. I'm supposed to represent myself as something that I am. I'm the son of my mom and dad. I can represent myself as the son of my mom and dad, and I can represent myself as the son of the creator. But for me to go through and represent myself as the son of a fiction, well, I'm just tricked and deceived. I'm asleep. I've hit a stumbling block. I'm not awake. I've been fooled. I've been tricked. So once I go like, oh, once I'm tricked, and once I begin to see the truth, the truth sets you free. And now... When I walk into a court or those kind of things, I don't have to go through and be tricked or deceived anymore. So now I can ask him a really simple question. Am I required to lie? Am I required to commit identity fraud? Am I required to say that I'm the son of a fiction? 
or am I, or, or am I supposed to say that I'm the son of who I am, of my mom and dad, and of whoever that first something is, that something that made everything else? That's truth. You can't force me to lie. But I've been lying all along. Every time I've gone to a car, a court, every time I've gone to the bank to open up a bank account, every time I've gotten on an airplane, every time I go to the library to check out a book, I've lied because I said, this is me. Here's a picture of my identity. Here's my driver's license. Here's my passport. And I was claiming that that was me. No, that's only who I'm appearing to be. That's not me. It's just a fictional thing that I pretend to do that I didn't even know. And really, when we get into the law and, you know, maybe in another call, we go through the second commandment. I'm not supposed to do that either. But that's yeah, but the first part. We, that begins to help you. you. Go ahead. I was just going to say, once, once I know, then I will be held accountable. And I know some people don't want to be held accountable. They may not be conscious of it, but you don't really. I mean, I've talked to people about things about God and, you know, it's the same you know, it's just, it's a phenomenon, and uh, it's none of my business, but that's, but it's, what you're saying is, it's, and it's almost like I would hide behind my own ignorance to, um, out of fear that I might have to grow or something. I don't know. Um, a fear of the, uh, the ultimate, uh, the final deal, you know, what's going to happen. So, anyway, I'm starting to drift. Thank you. Yeah, that's no, okay. No, I think if you begin to see that, oh my God, I made the mistake myself. I did it out of ignorance. And he, he you know, he's telling us, the Creator's telling us, you fool, you're, you're, you're tricked, you're deceived, you don't know it. You're tricked, you're deceived, you're a fool, you're asleep, wake up. You know, you have ears, you have ears, but you don't hear. You have eyes, but you don't see. You lack understanding. You lack wisdom. You lack who you're supposed to fear. Oh, he's talking to me. I thought he was talking to somebody else there. I thought I had ears to hear and I thought I had eyes to see. But now I get to see that I've been deceived. I took in the wrong information. When I look at the word deceive, it means to take in the wrong information and think it's true. Perceive means to take in the correct information. Well, I've been deceived. I've been taking in the wrong information thinking it's true. So that's the first part I'm trying to get your mind right. I've been deceived. I've been tricked. I've been asleep. So tonight's call, I'm just trying to say, hey, come on, wake up, brothers and sisters. Let's see what we can do. Let's see if we can begin to wake up on this, and then we'll find out what do we do. Because there's a whole host of questions that I don't know what to do. I'm like, what is it really like to go live in the kingdom of God? You know, what, what do you do for, you know, any kind of business that we do? What would that look like? Well, I don't know what it looks like because the whole world is deceived. He doesn't just say one's deceived. He says the whole world is deceived. Well, I guess that means me too and you and everybody else on the call. So what I'm trying to do is say, hey, wake up. This is what I'm getting out of it. There's a first something. That first something created everything else. So therefore it owns everything else. And because it owns everything else, it gets to make the rules. And we're supposed to keep it and do its commandments, do its will, not our will. I think you're uh, <clears throat> you're right as far as the first something goes. See that 
you're implying that it boggles the mind to consider even what that first something is. And I think that's reasonable. It does boggle the mind. We're thinking in terms of man and a woman, that first something could very likely be an hermaphrodite. hermaphrodite. Um, And it it kind of implies that because I think uh, every man has a certain female part within him and every female has a male part within him, uh, which proves out under duress if you I have heard I haven't known anyone personally but I've heard that under dire circumstances man can create uh, breast milk for helping a baby okay let's uh, okay let's have the next caller please thank you thank you John what's wrong with that I'm not saying, does that offend you to consider such things? No, it doesn't offend me. I just uh, want to stay on point here. We're talking about the law and how to get our country back. We're not interested in male breast milk, okay? So let's let's, uh, stay on the track of getting the country back. Remember, there's young people listening here, and they don't want to hear this. Next caller, cool. thank you. Speak for speak for yourself. <clears throat> anyway, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank John. Thank John. Well, the, the the piece here really is we just want to understand law, and and um, we want to understand where law originates from. And once we understand where law originates from, it's it comes from an original source. And that original source gets to say what to do and whose will we're supposed to keep. So we don't have free will to do what we want. We are already under a will. We're under a government. And we're not supposed to make countries that are lawgivers. We already have a lawgiver. So countries are gods. Egypt was a god, small g god. It was acting as a lawgiver. You could modernize it, America. You know, I took you out of the land of America. <clears throat> you know, I took you out of the land of Canada. You shall have no other lawgivers before me. Canada's a lawgiver. Egypt was a lawgiver. Alaska's a lawgiver. Minnesota's a lawgiver. We're not to have another lawgiver. It's against the law to legislate over stuff we didn't make. That's the key fundamental point of tonight's call that I'm trying to get through of you can't get something out of nothing. So there is a first something. That first something gets to say what to do. So we're under a law. We just came through. We had all this kind of stuff in the 17th century with Locke and Rousseau and Hobbes and said that man is nasty, evil, and brutish, and we got to have rules because if we don't have rules, you know, it's just going to be chaos. And God's saying, well, it is chaos if you get a bunch of men trying to make rules over stuff they didn't make. And the simplest thing you can kind of look like that is like, well, everybody here was a baby at one time. 
And babies are mindless. They don't know what to do. They don't know what's right or wrong. So who's the man ahead of them? Well, that were, they were a baby too. And the one ahead of them was a baby. So they're all mindless. They don't have a mind of knowing what is right and what is wrong. The only one who knows what's right and wrong and what to do would be the one that made everything. And the one that made everything said, hey, I know what I did. I made you with a mind. I know what the capabilities of your mind are. And you've got the capacity to imagine. You've got the, you got the capacity to imagine stuff that's not there and think it's real. So I've already said to that in Genesis 11, God came down and looked at the, look at the, the, the people who joined together as one and gave themselves a name, America, Egypt, Canada, Alaska, Minnesota, gave themselves a name, and now nothing, nothing will constrain them from what they imagine to do. So he's giving us a law to constrain our imagination because he knows what's going to happen with us. And so the way that we program ourselves is to actually put our nose in that book and to find out, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is how I'm supposed to live. I didn't realize that this book is what I was supposed to do to inscribe into my heart, inscribe into my mind, and keep his law, keep his commandments. I didn't know that that was the law of how we're supposed to govern ourselves. We're supposed to get back the kingdom of God, not the country of America. No, we're supposed to get the, you know, God's the kingdom back. And if we have the kingdom back, well, then all of a sudden we're keeping his commandments. And if we keep his commandments, well, then I guess it probably might be start to look like a promised land. Because now all of a sudden it's not man ruling over man. It's man all subject to the Almighty's authority. And he's just saying, hey, because I made it, I own it, I rule over it. You don't get to make rules. You don't get legislating is against the law. So don't go together and vote yourselves a representative and go put them into a house and divide it into three or, you know, or have a king. No. I mean, he says that in Samuel 1.8 or something, you know, uh, and uh, the people gave themselves a king. And then he says, here's what's going to happen when you get a king. They're going to start to eat out your, you know, your food, your, your, your wives, your chariots, and all that kind of stuff. So he's already warning us, like, don't do it. Don't do it. This is what's going to happen. You're going to go into bondage. You're going to go into bondage. We already were born into bondage. We have a maker, and he told us what to do. So that's what they call the perfect law of liberty. Well, if we keep his commandments, he didn't tell us, you know, can we tell our yeah. kids, can they mow the grass or what time they go to bed? God didn't legislate on that. He just said, don't provoke them. But if you keep my commandments, you can tell them what they're supposed to eat or, you know, what chores they're supposed to do around the house. Why? Because you made them. So that if we keep his commandments, then it's like, oh, okay, so, so a parent can only legislate over their kids subject only to the authority of God. And as long as we're keeping those commandments, well, then we're free to say what we need to do. But man can't rule over man. He didn't give us dominion over man. We just have dominion over our children, and we've got the ability to do what we want to with the creation as far as growing, you know, wheat or, you know, uh, you know how we're supposed to fish or farm or what have you. You know, he, he's given us rules on what we're supposed to do there, but, you know, we can, we can do quite a bit with, where he doesn't legislate, and, and legislation happens all in the, you know, the first five books, basically, the Bible of what we're to do and not to do. That's the real John? trick with this. Yep. 
I just wanted to interrupt uh, a second here and um, just check and see. Uh, you've been going almost two hours, and I know you started out pretty late in the evening at your place because it's ten o'clock. Was ten o'clock your time when we started? So I wanted yeah. to give um, if there if there's anyone else that wants to um, make contact with you by giving a comment, anyone who hasn't talked to you already. Sure. And um, yeah, and and you, we would love to have you, you, you can talk for as long as you'd like to, you can stay on as long as you'd like, but I want to be, I want to make sure we don't completely wear out our welcome with you tonight. <coughs> so um, I thought I heard Destry, I thought I heard, um, uh, Bill saw Destry try to speak up, and I don't know if there are any others, are any others that wanted to talk. Okay, Destry yeah, and Wendell. I just want to uh, uh, ask John to just keep on talking as long as he can until he falls asleep. That's that's Glenn. Go ahead, go ahead, Wendell. Go ahead, Wendell. Yeah, John, uh, I, I agree that you're, you've got a pretty good uh, understanding of what the Scripture says. And it's uh, actually, according to the Scripture, that which is written upon a man's heart to know to, good, to know to do good and to know to do evil. And so these are pretty fundamental things that are taught throughout the, the Old Testament. And many people uh, feel that that is a standard for them. It is a standard for, for a law for the unrighteous. But the law is not meant for the righteous today. The law is for the unrighteous. And I would like to at least bring that out and clearly state that. And I'll give you a scripture out of Timothy in a minute. But uh, uh, I think that the law in the Old Testament is really that which condemns those who do not uh, follow it. And it is actually referred to as a schoolmaster to show you that you are a transgressor or a sinner against God, and that you don't, uh, you're not giving yourself to him, and you're not following him, and you have not the mind of God. We're called to have the mind of Christ. We have that through his word, his word that is in us that makes us alive. And the word of God is another name for Jesus Christ. And, in, and uh, some would say that uh, there is a difference between God and Jesus Christ, yes, but in 1 John 5, 7, it says um, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. That seems like hard to understand, but that's what the Scripture says. The Word is Jesus Christ, very clearly stated in the Scriptures. And in 1 John 5, 7, says that they are one. Now, how is it that we're able to keep all the law Yet offend in one point. What hope have you? For you are a sinner. You, you fall short. You cannot have that to do with your maker, God, if you're a sinner. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ died for us to make us righteous. He gives us his righteousness. We have his righteousness. We are not confused by the law, for we exceed the law. Because we obey him from the heart, and he by the Holy Spirit directs us and we follow his direction. And his direction is always in accordance with the Word of God that is expressed to us in the King James Bible. 
going back to the scripture that I would to read to you, lest I give an, uh, a false statement. Um, it's, it's 1 Timothy uh, 1.9. One this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, for the lawless, the disobedient, the ungodly, and for sinners, ungodly and profane, and for murders of fathers, and murders of mothers, and slayers. If you read 5 through 12, you'll find that in context. I'll leave that for you each to read yourselves. 1 Timothy 9. So we have a part of the truth. The law shows us we fall short. It, we can try to we can try to use the law. We can try to establish uh, things in in our government that we govern ourselves by, and bear with and how we're to deal with other men. This is what the Bible is all about. And the government of man has never been in God's favor. It's always been uh, very negative, and it's always been that which causes man much problems. So. Uh, in order to uh, exercise our faith in Christ, uh, Ephesians tells us, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The miracle, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a gift of God. It's something that he does. It is irrespective we're sinner to be saved. The thing about a man who is saved, his mind is changed no longer wants to do those things. He seeks God's will. He seeks it in direction in the word. And he is called, actually in so doing, to be pleasing to God and to mm -hmm. exceed the law. He does that through the grace of God. I yield. Well, and another call would be a little bit, you know, I don't want to jump into that now, but there's, a, you know, um, uh, I agree with some of what you're saying, and then there's other parts that I, I, I don't. And um, But I can go into that in another call when I, I go in there, and, and specifically, uh, you know, to, to, to show where I think there's some deception at play of actually, you know, um, of, uh, you know who Jesus is and what he was and what he uh, uh, what he means to us and what we're to do so you know, I'll just kind of leave it at that and we could do another call on that another time but um, you know I just want to make sure they get this this first foundational piece in that you know we're to keep the law and the laws of whoever makes it owns it rules over it and uh, you know not to lose sight of that and then once we have that as our foundational piece I, I then can I, I then can go through and say like you know here's here's my understanding of um, the New Testament based on that what was the covenant in the New Testament because the old the first testament uh, you know had a uh, you know when we broke it we were you know alienated from God so how do we get back right with God and that has to do with everything that's in the promise of the New Testament. To be reconciled, to have atonement at one meant, atone to become one again with God. 
And so there's a, uh, a price paid. But law isn't law unless there's a penalty. Because if there is no penalty with the law, well, then, you know, there's no consequence for breaking the law. But if breaking the law by the first and second commandments that we become separate from God, well, there's a penalty. So, um, and that penalty must be paid by somebody. Otherwise, it's not law. Yes, oh, that, there, that there, penalty was paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That's what the good news is all about. That penalty right, has but, but, paid. But the penalty, so the, the piece here is, is if, um, and I'm, I'm going to go off a little bit just for a moment, and then I just want to stop myself because I don't want to go there because that's really another call on that, I think, is because that um, if, if you go running into the police station, and, and you were to go, I'm a, you know, I'm a criminal, I'm a criminal, I'm a criminal, you know, arrest me, you know, or, you know, uh, whatever. And, and the policeman looks at you like, well, what did you do? Oh, I'm a criminal, I'm a criminal. Or, you know, we put it into the scriptural terms. I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. What sin did you commit? Oh, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. Well, the challenge here is, is to know the sin, the specific sin that you've committed What just happened? I don't know. Went dead. Johnny, right? there? Uh, yeah. The recording end? I have no idea. Wondering if that's why. Was there two hours or something? I'm still on their call. Hmm. Let me see. Where's my talk shoot? So there's you and me. Some people have come and gone. Um, I'm still on the conference call with them. I, my call didn't get dropped. I think, I don't know. I did, yeah, they, they might have hit a time wall or something. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to just kill this recording. And, yeah. uh, and uh, we'll continue on next week, I guess.